You're listening to a Soulfire Productions podcast. Welcome to Wellness Realness, where we get very real about all things health and wellness, physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. I'm your host, Christina Rice, a nutritional therapy practitioner and energy healer turned holistic business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs. And I'm here to help you up-level every aspect of your life. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You can find an endless amount of content from me and join my online membership at christinaricewellness.com. And if you want exclusive behind-the-scenes content and my most unfiltered self, DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram and request to follow my super secret account. You can also join the Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe Facebook group to hang out with other listeners in the crew. Get ready for some wellness realness. Today's episode is very timely, unintentionally. I recorded this a while back with Kristen Smith, who is the CEO and founder and spiritual director at Saffron and Sage, which is a membership-based holistic health club here in San Diego. When I first moved to San Diego, everybody told me you have to visit Saffron and Sage. You will love it there. And the first time I visited, I just felt like it was definitely my place. They have such an incredible aesthetic, such a great vibe. And what it is essentially is, well, you walk into this beautiful, this beautiful space. They have a collection of some of the best non-toxic products out there. But then there are a bunch of rooms throughout the space where you can have one of your therapeutic practices or healing sessions. So at Saffron and Sage, they offer cupping, acupuncture, massage, energy healing like Reiki, nutritional therapy, spiritual mentorship. It's a really incredible space designed to help people move through any of their health struggles with a truly holistic approach working on mind, body, spirit, which we know is very much my MO. So Saffron and Sage is like a total dream holistic health club. And you'll learn more about Saffron and Sage in this episode. But Kristen, the founder, opened Saffron and Sage because of her own health journey, what she discovered along that road. And she has a very, very inspiring story overcoming chronic illness. She had four tumors in her neck and thyroid. And there's a lot to the story. It started off with her being a type A go, go, go businesswoman in the financial space. And, you know, that kind of manifested into physical health issues. She took a sabbatical in Mexico and just the whole journey pushed her into discovering the underlying energetic work that it took to heal. And that's how she really came to uncover the importance of this truly holistic approach. So This podcast, I think, is really going to move a lot of people. Her story is so inspiring and will probably make you reflect on a lot of things. I think especially as she kind of explains the struggle she went through with the financial crash that pushed her into a very dark place, how that intertwined with her physical health, and then how it all led to this unraveling of past traumas and energetic healing It's just a really inspiring story, and I think it's one that a lot of people will find helpful during this time. 
You can find more about Saffron and Sage at saffronsageliving.com and on Instagram at saffronandsageus. And you can also check out their skincare line at saffronandsageskin.com. Before we hop into the interview, though, I realized I totally forgot to announce on the podcast the winners of the Beekeepers Naturals giveaway. So my bad, but it's still happening. So we picked winners and they have been alerted, but I wanted to announce the three winners on the show. So the three winners are Rebecca Patterson, Valerie Cervantes, and Sydney Tafuri. Actually, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce her last name. Sydney, please let me know. I should know how to pronounce her last name. But congratulations. Thank you, everyone, for entering. There will be another giveaway that I will announce on the following episode. So stay tuned for that. Giveaways always put me in a good mood. And I mean, why wouldn't you enter? Free, awesome stuff. Speaking of free, awesome stuff, let's talk about podcasts for a second. If you want to learn more about business and you love the no BS style, (laughs) you love how I just cut through the crap, then you definitely need to check out my friend Kristen Hinman's podcast, which is called Cut the Crap Podcast. And in her show, she just gives unfiltered business advice and strategies for entrepreneurs who are just ready to do whatever it takes to achieve the growth and success they know they're capable of. Kristen has years of experience in marketing and PR. She is the founder and creative director of the digital marketing agency PR Media. It's spelled P-E-A-R-E. And she works with brands and entrepreneurs every single day to help them optimize their marketing strategy. So if you love all things business and you just want a no BS approach, like the way I dish it here and all things marketing, definitely check out Cut the Crap podcast. She makes every episode about like one very actionable tip that people can take away and implement in their businesses to move forward with marketing and growing your business. So make sure you check out Cut the Crap on Apple Podcasts. And you can also find out more at ctcpod.com. And I have an episode coming out with Kristen in a couple weeks that you guys are going to love all about online marketing. She is amazing. So make sure you check out that show. Now is a really good time to binge on podcasts, especially ones that are going to optimize your business and your health, because that's what I think people should focus on right now. You know? Okay. I'm sure you're very excited to hop into the meat of this episode. So enjoy this conversation with Kristen Smith. One of the most common questions I get asked is, what is my favorite probiotic? And my answer is always just thrive. Most probiotics out there on the market aren't even true probiotics. They don't arrive alive in the intestine, so they are not even doing their job. And Just Thrive is a spore probiotic formulation made up of four bacillus strains that arrives 100% alive to the intestines, which is why people get real results with this probiotic, even if they've tried other probiotics before. This probiotic has been shown in human clinical trials to actually cure leaky gut in as little as 30 days. This formulation can start to heal leaky gut and Leaky gut is at the root of most major chronic illnesses in the Western world, like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, autoimmune disease, dementia, and other serious illnesses. There's no refrigeration needed. These strains are so stable that they don't need refrigeration. Probiotics that need to be refrigerated are so sensitive that they can't survive room temperature and are definitely not going to survive in your 98.6 degree body. Just Thrive is my top recommendation for supporting your immune system. Really important if you struggle with allergies, food sensitivities, autoimmune disease, or just 
any symptoms of low immunity. And I would also recommend their Ultimate IgG product for extra support in this department. I recommend this to all of my clients with compromised immune systems. Plus, Just Thrive Probiotic can actually help you reach your ideal body weight because it improves the production of short-chain fatty acids, which means less fat storage, higher fat burn, improved insulin sensitivity, improved satiety, and less gut and systemic inflammation overall. If you are ready to improve your mood and energy levels, get rid of joint pain, get rid of your allergies, improve your recovery time if you work out, and of course, optimize your digestion, definitely check out Just Thrive Probiotic. I am so picky about probiotics and I am so adamant about the importance of your gut health and Just Thrive is my top rec. And I also recommend checking out their most recent release, which is their Gluten Away, which is great to have on hand if you accidentally get exposed to gluten in your food. Really helps to settle down your stomach. So if you want to get 15% off of any product from Just Thrive, go to bit.ly slash Just Thrive Christina, and you can use my code Christina15 for 15% off. Again, that's bit.ly slash Just Thrive Christina, and my code Christina15, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-1-5 will get you 15% off. I'm so excited to chat with you. It's been way too long. We've been trying to coordinate this for forever, but you're a busy woman. But for people who aren't familiar with what you do, why don't you introduce yourself to my audience? Sure. Well, my name is Kristen Smith. I'm the founder and CEO of Saffron and Sage. Uh, We are a holistic health club located in Little Italy. We specialize in preventative and integrative medicine. So we have a curated team of practitioners that range from psychotherapists to medical doctors, yoga instructors, to massage therapists. And we customize treatments through individual sessions to help you regain or maintain your well-being. So, Yeah. And you guys have been open for how long? We just celebrated our two-year anniversary in September. It's exciting. Yeah. Okay. So two years. So still kind of a baby. Yeah. So what were you doing before this? So before this, I was living in Mexico. Mm -hmm. I um, had moved down for a six-month sabbatical back in 2011 or 2012. And uh, six months turned into six years. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And um, But during the the beginning of that time, doctors had found four tumors in my neck and my thyroid. Wow. And so that's really what kicked off this six-year journey into... Um, holistic healthcare and really what birthed Saffron and Sage. Yeah. Okay. So take me back. Take me back to the beginning of your health journey. I want to hear your story. Yeah. So rewinding the tape, even before uh, I moved to Mexico, uh, I was running um, two companies at the time. And, you know, we, my partner and I had had very successful companies. And so we spent a lot of our time doing nonprofit work. And mm-hmm. um, it was during that time that, you know, because we had the financial and material success. And I was like, well, now what? Like, this is what we're all supposed to be working towards, right? And I was in my early 20s and I had accomplished um, a lot of those big goals. And so during the time that we were investing into the community, I was also investing into myself and really figuring out who am I and what do I want? And I started uh, exploring some of the ancient disciplines like Sabbath and uh, taking solitude retreats and things of that nature. And I had um, been delving into psychotherapy and spiritual direction mm-hmm. in the years prior. And so when the financial crash happened, that 
largely affected um, our industry as well as the world, it really opened up that that inquiry that I was making into my interior world um, yeah. even more so. And, and really what led me to, you know, that time that after the crash in 2008, 2008 we were really struggling to uh, survive. And what industry were you in? Financial time? services. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And before this, were you spiritual at all? Or was this like a brand new thing for you? Yeah. Good question. So uh, I'd like to say I was raised agnostic. It, there was really no spiritual context, religious upbringing uh, from, from my parents. And there was just just an absence uh, mm-hmm. of anything spiritual. And my grandmother, who's from the South, had um, been raised uh, Pentecostal, been raised in this very vibrant um, religious uh, context and had kind of started reclaiming her roots when I was in high school. And so uh, because I was close to my grandparents, I was exposed to um, their faith traditions and mm-hmm. started dabbling into uh, spirituality. And I think after I graduated high school, it really kicked up. So by the time, you know, years prior, when I was diving into this, I was especially moved by uh, Catholic mysticism. And mm-hmm. so really learning about the desert mothers and fathers and these uh, these faith communities um, that were centered around a, a liturgical lifestyle. Their lives were oriented uh, around the seasons and they uh, found their faith being shaped by uh, the environment around them, as well as uh, their experience in in this physical world. And so it began to kind of morph and shift from there. And then when I uh, found myself in, in Mexico uh, and began diving into the world of complementary medicine, integrative medicine, uh, I began to brush up against uh, what we're now more than familiar with is the mind-body connection, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, what was breaking open in my research was the mind-body-spirit connection, which I think large in part, we haven't made that kind of third connection Mm -hmm. in, in the world of wellness and in our current healthcare offerings. And it was then that I was getting exposed to the traditions of ancient cultures and started looking at uh, practices like, uh, you know, a sweat lodge ceremony, right? Some, something that I had the privilege of um, partaking in uh, during my time living in Mexico on Indian reservations, on sacred ground with tribal leaders that have been passing this down generation to generation. And it was through this exposure that these ancient practices began to kind of get entangled with these modern interpretations and mm-hmm. really began to uh, better understand this bridge between science and spirituality. So how did you make the leap to going to Mexico? So I had done consulting, as I mentioned before. Yeah. And so uh, I had some contacts in Mexico because I had done consulting mm-hmm. uh, there for a number of years prior. And I thought, okay, I need to make sure that, you know, as I'm stepping away from my company on this sabbatical, if anything happens, I can't be, you know, off in Europe or anywhere far. I need to be able to get back mm-hmm. quickly if something uh, were to occur, but I need to be far enough away so I can truly separate and disconnect and rest and recalibrate. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Tijuana became the the ideal location, and it and it proved to be 
a very, you know, most people are like, oh, were you in Tulum? I'm like, no, I was in Tijuana. Yeah. <laughs> right. And when it was on, still on the list as, uh, I think, I don't know if it was number one at the point, but one of the most dangerous cities in the world. It was just coming down with all the drug wars and all the yeah. cartel stuff that was happening you down still there. went i still went and that was you know before tijuana was sexy as it is today right mm-hmm. with all the culinary scene and everything happening so i got to see that revival happen um over the last couple of years but being there tijuana is you know uh mostly a place that nobody chooses to go right you have um individuals and families all throughout mexico and central america that are migrating to this border region with the with the intent of crossing into the states. Mm-hmm. And so it's not this desirable place and it it's turned into this melting pot of um you know people from from so many different walks of life and now even over the last couple of years as we have Haitian communities and African communities that have found refuge in Tijuana and so it ended up being this this beautiful incubator for me to uh, really reflect, right? Having grown up in an environment that puts value on what you do versus uh, being exposed and living in this culture that puts value on who you are and mm. being. And so it was a, a beautiful backdrop to learn to be. And it was the first time in my life that I didn't work mm-hmm. during those six months. Um, my intent um, and my purpose was to to rest and refuel and meditate and read and pray and eat tacos and drink beer. Yeah. Well, usually people who go on a sabbatical to rest and repair, recover, find themselves are coming from a place of feeling like they're rock bottom. Is that where you were feeling? Oh, absolutely. I needed to like crawl in a hole and die. I was exhausted. And that financial crisis, right? Or the other things going oh, on no. too? Yeah, it was brutal. It was pretty bad. Okay. Yeah, it was It was a, a rough turn of events. And uh, it was years of us having to survive okay. that. And, you know, whenever you're exposed to any experience of, of suffering, mm-hmm. um, which that was my first real experience of loss of trauma. Uh, yeah. Of, trauma. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't say my first exposure to, to trauma, um, definitely had a lot of that in my childhood, yeah. <laughs> but as far as in my adult life, it really rocked my boat and mm-hmm. it broke down all of my beliefs, all of, you know, the, the framework that I saw, the lens that I saw the world through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, when you identify as someone being successful, right? And then all of a sudden, all your money's gone, right? We had to, we had to um, liquidate everything oh, wow. just to survive. And, and that wasn't even our fault, right? That was a product of something larger. So, but the reshaping of my identity um, was, was really what was called into question. And I'm thankful that I got to have my midlife crisis when I was 25 instead of 45 because it it altered the trajectory of my life and allowed me to really address why that trauma, why those losses were so significant and really brought to the surface uh, all of those other traumas that had been stored and lodged that I was running from. And really, you know, that's what we do. We, it was a coping mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. I was a highly functional workaholic mm-hmm. and, uh, and was rewarded for, for my, you know, 
coping mechanism of focusing on tasks and avoiding what was going on in my heart, what was going on in my interior world. And I think that's now what we're seeing at a systemic level. And that's really the work that we're addressing here at Saffron and Sage. I mean, we're supporting executives and entrepreneurs, athletes and artists, mothers, influencers who are um, experiencing some sort of failure, some sort of crisis, right? And so whether it is the multimillionaire that just sold his uh, company, you know, and finally achieved everything that he thought he wanted Mm -hmm. to now what, and is now roaming through, um, you know, this liminal space, trying to figure out the same things I was trying to figure out, right. To, you know, um, the, the business owner that was just diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Right. And so these are the tensions that, that we're sitting in here. And the question is all about reframing, who am I? What do I want? Uh, and what do I value? Mm-hmm. And I think we're, we're trying to figure out how do we shift our priorities? How do we realign with our heart's desire? And, and we're coming at it from a space of seeing these symptoms surface like thyroid, you know, disorders. We're seeing all these imbalances with the endocrine system, digestive disorders, cancer, and, you know, chronic migraines. I mean, you name it, whatever it is. And so I think for those of us that have been struggling with things like this for Mm -hmm. years, and now when they come here, they're finally open Mm -hmm. to looking at uh, the connectivity between the emotional, the physical, and the spiritual, and uh, we just we just had our book club a couple nights ago, and um, we do a book club for our members here every month. And this month, we read the Biology of Belief. Um, have you read that book? I've read parts, but I haven't okay. read the whole thing. Oh uh, yeah, audiobook because the the science is so dense. Yeah, Audiobook's a good is. way to go. But that book, I don't even know how I found that book, but I came across it after the doctors had found the tumors rapidly growing in my neck and my thyroid. And it was eye-opening because what he he really the big takeaway for me in his text is um, the idea that all disease and illness comes from one of three spaces: toxins, thoughts, or trauma. Mm-hmm. And you know that's really what I married to the mind-body-spirit connection. So our thoughts are related to our emotional body, right? Uh, Those false beliefs, those limiting beliefs, right? I'm not enough. I'm not beautiful, whatever it is to the toxins, you know, everything from, um, I had a heavy metal toxicity. I I have, we have so many clients coming in now with mold toxicity, all these different things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whatever sort of toxins and and those could be relational toxins too, right? Um, But we we tie that to the physical body and then uh, the the trauma, right? Mm -hmm. And so, we have um, a lot, a lot of abuse victims um, who are part of our community, and so whether that had been sexual abuse, different form of physical abuse, um, these traumas get stored in our in our memory, but also in our our body, and our body holds on to them, and so um, that's why so much of the movement that we do here is tied to the. Uh, conversational work, right? We're really marrying, working with the conscious mind and the, and the subconscious as well. Definitely. So how was your health before you went to Mexico? 
normal as okay. far as I, I knew, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and no issues. Before I moved to Mexico, um, paleo was just becoming a thing. And mm-hmm. I remember my girlfriend was all diehard to get me on paleo. And I was like, oh, I could care less. <laughs> uh, so I've always, you know, ate average like everybody else, right? Uh, never really watched what I eat. Never really had any issues. Was always naturally thin. And I, you know, growing up, I was always, uh, I was an athlete. So there was always a lot of physical activity. And then, uh, yeah, as soon as I moved to Mexico and everything started to surface. And what was that? What surfaced? The tumor surfaced, exhaustion. Um, one of the things that, that doctors ended up uncovering that was that I had a severe parasitic infection that went mm. undiagnosed and untreated. So I was sleeping a ton. I thought, man, I'm just really exhausted from all these years that I haven't been sleeping. No, my mm-hmm. adrenals were taxed. You know, I was just done. And, you know, the body's really intelligent, right? And so the body can survive um, during extreme uh, times of stress. And when you finally are in a safe space to rest, I think that's always the confusing part for everyone. But they're like, but I'm doing it right. I'm resting. Yeah. I'm taking a sabbatical. But now your body can is entering into that parasympathetic nervous state mm-hmm. and everything is, is having to be, it's being turned back on, right? Because we're in fight or flight. We're in that stress state. Our digestive system shuts down, you know, our reproductive system shuts down. And so finally you get into that space where now all these things can turn back on and start to work themselves out. Yeah. So tell me about like, before you found out about the, the tumor, I was like, what was the, the path there? So my, uh, you know, my Mexican mother, as I like to say, um, I was adopted by this family when I moved down there that I had built a relationship with years prior. And I would go down and help them at their, their little, uh, Rincon is what we would call it. They had this little restaurant. And so to, to practice my Spanish, because I graduated high school and I was fluent in Spanish and then used it the first couple of years of my career and traveling. And then there was a, a period of a handful of years that I didn't speak. So when I moved back to Mexico, I was like, oh, I don't know yeah. if I know what I'm talking about anymore. So I go down and, and hang out with them and help out. And, and uh, one day she says, you know, Christina, there's something in your throat. And I'm like, no, there's nothing in my throat. She's like, no, 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 no. There's something in your throat. You need to go to the doctor. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, if you know anything about Mexican mothers. Yeah. <laughs> so I was you like, do what they say. yeah, do I argue with her? Or do I pay the $2 copay yeah. to go see the doctor? So yeah. I'm like, let me go pay the $2. So, um, you know, she's like, I, it could be your thyroid. You need to get it checked out. So I go see um, my doctor downtown Tijuana and he was actually getting ready to close shop when I showed up and uh, he's like, well, come in, come in, come in. Let's, let's see what's going on. So he did, you know, physical exam and he goes, she's right. There is something there. And he goes, and this is like four o'clock, right? And he goes, um, you're going to go down the street and you're going to get an ultrasound and then you're going to bring the results back. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, like tomorrow. And he goes, no, 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 today. Mm-hmm. And I'm like today, you know, you're getting ready to leave and he's going to stay open for me to come back. And I was like, now I'm on high alert. And so I go down, get an ultrasound and uh, not one, but four tumors and take the results back to him. And he's like, yep, we have to have, you know, a biopsy done. We have to see if it's cancer. And I'm just like, you know, and then you hear that word cancer, right? Mm-hmm. And now all the like fire alarms are sounding. And so um, I went to the oncologist. I had the, the 
fine tooth needle biopsy, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. I mean, a needle like this large going into your neck. Oh my it's gosh. Crazy. And it was um, benign, right? It was non-cancerous, but the doctors were still very concerned about how um, fast it seemed to be growing. So I continued to do all my blood work, get all these exams and, you know, ended up going and getting a second opinion, a third opinion, because, uh, you know, they had said, well, we don't know what the root cause is, but you, you need to have it surgically removed and surgery. Like, is that really necessary? You know, it just showed up randomly, you know, mm-hmm. is it surely something caused that, right? That we've got to figure that out. And I was, I was pretty determined um, to figure out the root cause before taking such drastic measures. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started reading and researching on my own. And I started pulling together a multidisciplinary team of practitioners to really look at me from all these different angles and help me unpack what was going on. And so ended up pulling a team of practitioners from Tijuana, San Diego, LA, and then Inland Empire. And um, from you know, my UCLA medical doctor who was uh, trained in Chinese medicine, who introduced me um, to acupuncture. And that was part of my protocol, part of my, you know, plan that she put together uh, as well as colon hydrotherapy. Uh, I was, um, had another medical doctor who was also a homeopathic doctor. So I was doing all sorts of fun homeopathic remedies, like my flower essences Mm -hmm. that I'm taking today. Uh, lots and lots of herbs living in Mexico, very, um, centered around plant medicine. And, uh, I was still doing spiritual direction and incorporating massage. And that's when I was first exposed to yoga and breath work. And that was just the beginning. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like a pretty comprehensive protocol. Yeah. So you're doing massage, colon hydrotherapy, lots of herbs. Yep. Um, nutritional therapy. It was raw vegan for a period. Yep. And all. Yep. Tell me about the trajectory of your, your diet. I'm curious. Uh, Yeah. So my naturopath, my naturopathic doctor, um, was the first one that had, um, discovered the toxins and a few, and a few other things. And so she put me, um, on a raw vegan diet. Mm-hmm. which is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> if you don't have a personal chef, I don't know how you can try to be raw vegan. And I'm not a salad girl. So I was like, yeah. what am I going to do? Uh, so when I first got my, my blend tech. So if you don't have a blend tech or Vitamix at home, but, uh, but yeah, I would wake up in the morning and I would prepare my food. I would prepare my homeopathic remedies, all my essential oils, all of the supplements, and by the time I was done with all that, it was lunchtime. I mean, it was a very grueling process. It's a full-time job. It was a full-time job. And, uh, you know, I, I was still so malnourished from the parasites and I was eating all this amazing food and taking all these amazing supplements. And as Dr. Mike, our chief medical officer likes to say, you know, I had the most expensive urine yeah. <laughs> as most Americans do because we have absorption issues. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with a malabsorption, um, my MD recommended that we start incorporating, um, IV therapy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was a lifesaver. It was like, I was brought back to life just to have those, you know, nutrients get into my system. Uh, so 
Yeah. From raw vegan, um, I, I think it was beneficial for a period of cleansing. Uh, and then my, um, my medical doctor, who's very rooted in, in Chinese medicine, said, you know, you're, you seem to be getting very, very weak. And so we need to start reincorporating some animal protein um, back into your diet. And so I um, started reintroducing animal protein. And I, I don't know who introduced me to Dr. Weston A. Price's work. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that's really when I, I began to look at the research and look at, again, coming back to traditional cultures, how have we lived since the beginning of time? And looking at um, his research and understanding that there are times when animal protein is quite helpful and nourishing um, to the brain and to the body and um, expedites healing. And so uh, that's really where my diet became more centered and then uh, being oriented around the seasons. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's something that's really hard for us in our modern world. We're used to being able to have everything at our fingertips and uh, to become acquainted with what's actually in season, not what's on the shelves um, is tough. And so, um, you know, that was when I started shopping at farmer's markets uh, and because you'd have to bring the list of, okay, what, what is in season and what isn't, you could see what was actually there. And that was a big education as well. And being introduced to new, um, fruits and vegetables and how to prepare them. So, yeah. And that's, that's still the way that I eat and the seasonality approach that we take here at Saffron and Sage has really altered, um, everything to the way that we prepare food, right? Like in the spring, that's when we believe our diet should be the rawest. So that's the time where we're eating more sushi. We are eating salads, but now being in winter, uh, we're eating warming foods, right? So I'm eating a lot of soups and drinking a lot of broths and making sure I'm getting things like uh, fresh ginger into my system. Mm-hmm. And uh, currently I have, uh, because there's so much happening at Safford and Sage and I want to make sure that I maintain my nutritional plan. Um, my lunches are prepared by a dear friend and Chef Lan of Enclave, who you might've heard of. Mm-hmm. And so she... Um, takes our uh, meal plans that our nutritionists and our um, doctors prepare for our patients and custom customizes um, all of them to uh, exactly what what we need. And so now I I I get to have those prepared for me every day. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So you were on this very intense healing protocol, very multifaceted, um, and for about how long was that all going on? Like, tell me more about how is that just like years yeah years yeah and then well obviously the intensity of it was probably like three or four years okay yeah Yeah. and then when did you start to like feel better that's a long road i i would say i felt like shit for the first three years um or more it was Mm -hmm. still just a very grueling difficult process but it was little by little that Mm -hmm. i started to feel better uh but even thinking you know Saffron Sage opened two and a half, almost, well, in in March, it'll be two and a half years. And even two years prior to that, there's no way I would have been able to lead this organization Mm -hmm. just from an energy perspective. And so it's really been a gradual unfolding, continuing to get better Mm -hmm. because it's a very slow process. And I think that's discouraging for a lot of people, right? Because we all have to make a living and we still have to work. And it's not like we get to check out and 
check into Saffron and Sage, you know, and, uh, and, and, and that's really why I designed the space the way that I did, because any, anything that came close to what we were doing are in far off places. Mm-hmm. They're out of reach location wise, they're out of reach, um, economically for most individuals. And so, you know, if you can't afford mm-hmm. to do a $10,000 a week in patient <laughs> vacation, <Yeah. laughs> you know, uh, at Sano Viva, Rancho La Puerta or any of these other places, how can we do this for those of us who, who are needing, um, such high level integrative care. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need that in our backyard. And so this urban approach of building it into our, our budget and into our, our daily and weekly and monthly schedule is really important to me. Wearing blue light blocking glasses is one of the easiest biohacks you can introduce into your life to support your sleep, to balance out your hormones, to improve your mood and to improve your energy levels. And that's why I really want to share with you my favorite blue blocker company, Blue Blocks. I've tried so many different types of blue light blocking glasses over the years, and these by far give the best results because they are 100% backed by the science. Orange lenses are only blocking a part of the blue and green light spectrum that disrupts our circadian rhythm, which in turn causes health issues. But Blue Blocks has red lenses, their Sleep Plus red lens, that are tested to make sure they're blocking that full spectrum so that you get better sleep, deeper sleep, less anxiety, and ultimate relaxation. I like to wear my Sleep Plus red lens with the Parker frame as soon as the sun goes down. And then during the day, I wear the Blue Light Clear lens, which is a blue light filtering lens for the daytime, best for people who work in more natural lighting. But if you work in more artificial lighting or you struggle with seasonal depression, I would recommend the Summer Glow Yellow Lens. These daytime glasses will help reduce migraines, headaches, macular degeneration, and digital eye strain, which is super important if you're on a screen all day. Like me, I notice that my head hurts. I feel foggy. I get moody. I'm just really cranky if I don't wear my blue light clear lens. They have about 20 different frames to pick from, so you'll definitely find something that you like. I get compliments on these glasses all the time, and you can also send in your own frames or use their custom-made prescription service if you'd like something a little bit more customized. And if you really want to amp up your sleep game, check out their Remedy Sleep Mask, which is a 100% light-blocking sleep mask. This has changed the game for me. And for every pair of glasses they sell, Blue Box will donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who gifts them to someone in need. So if you want to get your hands on the best blue light blockers on the market, just go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. And use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. And my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S will get you 15% off. When you use these every day, trust me, you'll notice a huge improvement in your productivity, your mood, your energy, and of course, your sleep. So I'm sure people listening are curious, like, how is your health now? Yeah. So miraculously, I have the energy to get through every single day, uh, which (laughs) it did not before. Um, I mean, if you would see pictures of me before, I mean, I just pale, incredibly thin. Um, I would get, um, uh, what is that called? But but these rips in the side of my mouth, I'm blanking on the name, um, from being malnourished. Yeah. Uh, and so and just, I was always exhausted and, you know, it's, it's kind of like the walking dead when you have chronic conditions like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And just 
pretty blue and down in the dumps, right? When you don't feel good. And, and uh, now I have, like I said, energy and my sleep patterns are there. I have one remaining tumor that's almost gone. Yeah, everything's back in balance. My gut, it's been a long journey with mm-hmm. healing my gut. And I just got my holistic healthcare plan. We, we just rolled out our, our new um, holistic healthcare offerings. And uh, Dr. Hilda and Dr. Ingrid just sat down with me and went through my comprehensive plan system by system. I was really excited to read on, on the portion speaking to my digestive system that, you know, that my gut has, has recovered, you mm-hmm. know, after all these years, cause it takes a, a long time, but yeah. So I'm in a great space. Looking back, what do you feel like have been the, the, the most important things you've done for your healing? Cause I'm sure people listening, you know, if someone's struggling with a chronic health issue, they're thinking, okay, what are the most important things? And I think people are probably curious, like, what do you feel like made the biggest difference for you? Yeah. Well, I think the most valuable things are always free. Mm-hmm. Sleep, mm-hmm. being hydrated, getting enough water, removing yourself from a stressful state. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was a, a big sacrifice that I made was to start Saffron and Sage because I knew it was going to elongate my healing journey because I was going to be in that stressful state. Mm -hmm. Um, And so looking at the stressors in your life and figuring out how do I remove them? How do I minimize them? Because if your parasympathetic system is not activated, you can't do that healing work. And really becoming aware of your narrative. the emotional, spiritual story that has unfolded in your life is at the root of all of these symptoms. And you can save yourself a lot of time and money uh, by sitting down and um, cultivating an awareness around our perception of experiences, whether those be traumas, our thoughts, what is it that we are holding to be true? Uh, And, and, and which of those thoughts are causing us harm? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think those are, those are the foundations. If you're unwilling to make those life changes, all these other really valuable things like nutritional therapy and acupuncture, meditative therapy, energy therapy, are not going to have long-term effects. Mm-hmm. So the base is first uh, opening yourself up and committing to to doing your deep work. Yeah. I think it takes people a long time to realize that. I think yeah. most people who really realize that they have had to hit literally the rock bottom because everyone starts, you know, with the nutrition and the supplements. <laughs> but for you, what do you believe was the root cause? So anything happening in, in our throat is, is related to expression, mm-hmm. expressing our true selves. It's interesting. I was in Valle de Guadalupe right in the beginning, probably in the first year of all of this unfolding. And I was speaking to um, a shaman and, uh, and I said, you know, I have these tumors in my, in my throat. What, what do you think about that? And he said, well, I imagine when you were younger, you were not seen for who you were. You uh, were not 
listened to or respected and um, you were not allowed to voice who you really were. And it appears that you've spent a lifetime hiding, holding in who you actually are. And it's now bubbled up to this space in your throat. And he said, this is about grief. You have to grieve all of those times that you weren't seen, you weren't heard, you weren't respected. And from, you know, those earliest memories all the way until present. And at the time I was having this conversation with him, I had just lost my grandfather and, um, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer, uh, the same week that, that they found the tumors. And, and again, that experience of loss, um, because of how close I was to him was unbearable for me. And that was another experience that I had swallowed, right. Mm -hmm. That I, that I didn't want to process. I didn't think I had the capacity to process and didn't want to deal with that reality. And so all of those experiences of, of loss, they build and they, um, take root within us. And so that was really for myself. Um, the hardest piece was sitting, developing that capacity to have the conversations with myself, to check in with the younger versions of myself and really the core, the core, the core is, is about forgiveness. Can you make peace with your past? Can you make peace with yourself, with whether it be your parents, whether it be, you know, whoever Mm -hmm. you have these, um, fragmented relationships with, but that's really the journey back to wholeness or wellness. Yeah. So what did that look like for you to actually grieve those losses and make peace? Were you, did you have help from like a spiritual mentor? Like what, what was your process with that? How did you get started? Yeah. So I had been doing spiritual direction um, a couple of years before I moved to Mexico and transitioned to a different spiritual director um, when I moved to Tijuana and um, it's still the spiritual director that I see today. And I I was very fortunate that I was exposed to the office of spiritual direction when I was um, in my early twenties, you know, for for those that might not know about spiritual direction, if I was like, well, well, what is that? Right. And it's, uh, it's um, this ancient office of companionship where Typically it's an, it's an elder, right? In the community that is holding the space as that, I don't want to say spiritual guide because the, the premise of spiritual direction is that they are not there to guide as much as they're there to companion and they're holding space, um, as you are navigating through experience. And often I think we're drawn to spiritual direction, um, through suffering Mm -hmm. and, um, experiences of loss. And it's really about seeing what is the divine drawing you into? Um, what is being birthed? What is morphing inside of you? How are you becoming more fully yourself? And it's really about this journey home. Uh, and it's, uh, a space where we, um, begin to cultivate deeper discernment. It's a space where we begin to reconnect with our intuition 
And rather than um, find a solution to whatever problem is arising, it's it's about noticing. Mm-hmm. It's about taking a step back and um, exploring and sitting with, but not trying to fix. And um, I think that space um, was probably the most essential to me not losing my shit over these years mm-hmm. because it was so painful and so hard. And I remember in the very beginning, I would just cry and cry and cry. And if you know me, I was n- never a crier and it, I, all the emotion was mm-hmm. finally coming out and it was really hard to make sense of all these things. And it was very overwhelming to process all of these, these losses. I mean, nobody wants to sit at home and think yeah. about all the things that we yeah. already experienced. Right. Um, and I think that's why the somatic work that we do have here at Saffron and Sage is so valuable because it's not necessarily that we need to regurgitate what happened as much as we need to identify where there's constriction, where there's blockages um, in the physical, emotional, energetic, spiritual body mm-hmm. and release them. And, and so again, we're, we're doing a lot of somatic work, a lot of work with the subconscious to clear those things. So when the shaman was talking about how for a long time you probably weren't able to fully like express yourself and be who you were. Mm-hmm. So during that time period, how is your personality? How are you different today than, than you were then? Great question. Uh, I, I would say, you know, I, I was such a hardcore type A, you know, ball buster, go getter. <laughs> um, I was a lot, my edges were a lot harder then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of like very curt to the point. Um, and I think there was a lot more um, masculine energy. I mean, being in financial services, being in a male dominated environment, a lot more um, masculine energy, a, a lot more uh very, very little um, emotional expression. And not to say that I wasn't a friendly, nice person like I am today, Mm -hmm. but I always suspended those vulnerable emotions, right? I would never show you that you hurt me or that I was, or I felt hurt by you, right? Or uh, that I was sad, no crying in baseball, pick your, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Right. And so, uh, all of that was very hidden from the outside world. And, you know, people would tell me, well, everything you do just turns to gold. And it's like, because that's the image that I portrayed, mm-hmm. right? Like everything looks polished and presentable. And, um, and, and that was a deception, right? That was the image that I was putting forth and very much compartmentalized, um, my emotional state from my physical experience in this world. Mm-hmm. And so now, uh, I feel so much freer. I am, uh, much more integrated, uh, much softer, uh, and really, you know, these last several years have really been about embracing the feminine and redefining. I think in the same way, when we talk about success, right. Uh, we always have it defined by making X amount of money, having, you know, all of these different materialistic things and saying, it's not that success is bad. The question is, let's work on defining a more profound 
as well as sustainable definition of success, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and and oftentimes those relationships or that that definition is is centered around relationships, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, what sort of lifestyle do you want to have, right? And so now I consider myself to be way more successful than I ever was before, right? Because I'm living therapeutically and sustainably. I'm living the life that I want to live. I'm living in alignment with my story and and who I, my strengths and and who I am. Uh, And I would say in the same way, redefining what it means to be feminine, right? When I grew up, uh, I associated um, being feminine with being uh, too emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and I was, uh, I was, I was a girly girl, but I was also a tomboy. I grew up racing BMX and playing softball. And so, you know, I had a good balance and I, um, was exposed to, to some of these personalities of women that I myself just observed of like, why are you crying? Like, why are you screaming? Why? And so I think that, and, and, you know, whatever other messaging that came to me through media and this and that and the other, uh, really shaped, um, expressing emotion is bad. And so I didn't want to overly express things. So I suspended all of it. And I think, being also in, in, you know, a business environment, um, you suspend those things as well because you need to adapt to the culture in order to, uh, in order to succeed. Right. And mm-hmm. so really working within redefining, um, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be, um, a female leader, uh, I think has been a big, journey for me and embracing, um, embracing that. Yeah. I think that's a struggle that many women can resonate with. And I think much of the messaging in today's culture is to be successful. Like you need to be in your masculine, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not put that that way, but Mm -hmm. it's interesting you bring this up just this morning. I was looking at like what's happening with my astrology chart right now. And the next eight months are all about activating my power, right? And I look more into that and it says the next eight months are all about embracing your femininity fully, which mm-hmm. is like not what you would, you know, you read activating your power and you think like, you know, yeah. masculine, but yeah. there's, because there's so much power in embracing your femininity. So yeah. for you talking about like redefining the feminine, what does that mean for you? Redefining the feminine. I, I think it means being honest. It, I think it means being able to communicate my needs, but also being able to communicate my beliefs and my opinions. And to do so uh, with confidence, unapologetically, mm-hmm. I, I think. Uh, and it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, this is the largest organization I've led. We've had about 30 people on staff and uh, it has been a very unique experience leading, leading an organization as, as a woman. I, I think that's experiencing those responsibilities and invitations to leadership in that context and then stepping out of that space and being in relationship and uh, being in relationship with a man and and seeing how do you show up as uh, as a significant other, as a companion or partner in life versus how do you show up and champion a cause and support an entire organization. And 
And, and I think the important thing is to not lose the masculinity in the process. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, here at Saffron and Sage, people always ask, well, why aren't you a women's club? Why isn't it women only? And I'm like, we are deeply rooted in traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and these ancient medical systems. And we, you know, we believe, I believe that, you know, it's the yin yang, you need a balance of the feminine and the masculine. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we learn from uh, both the men who are part of this community and those who are embracing masculine energy, right? And it's really a beautiful, beautiful example as we begin to play with these energies and explore how do we uh, balance and have um, that masculine energy and that feminine energy together and bring that fully into how we experience the world around us, but also how we express and relate. Uh, And yeah, I, I, you know, and it's interesting because this, you know, feminine. Now we're now we're getting on another on another subject, but it's interesting just observing um, a lot of the the kind of feminist rising. I'll probably take a hit for what I'm about to say no, right now, but say I it. think there's so much of this new feminist movement comes with a very aggressive masculine tone. I totally agree, and I'm like. Uh, <laughs> what am I missing here? Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, and I get the anger, right? The, mm-hmm. I get there's anger and I, I feel gracious enough that throughout my career, I have been supported by men. Mm-hmm. My career when I was younger was launched by men who believed in me and supported me. And, you know, my almost, you know, half of my advisory team and uh, my mentors and advisors are men. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've been very blessed to have these positive experiences of male leadership that has been supportive and not oppressive. Uh, But I think um, there is a time where anger surfaces and and we do have to grieve those things, but it's, it's really about figuring out how do we embrace the qualities of both masculine and feminine. I definitely agree. I think we get in trouble when we are in direction too yeah. far to one side, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I agree with the feminist movement. It's like, if, are we going way too far in the other direction? Like, yeah. we're going to get out of balance again. Um, but I definitely want to talk about your decision to open Saffron and Sage and how that came about and tell me more about starting this organization. Yeah. So I was traveling, as I mentioned, between Tijuana and San Diego, LA and the Inland Empire, doing all my treatments. And, you know, my friends and my family, as I was staying with them and there's just them being involved in, in my uh, journey, um, started to ask questions. And of course, no one could figure out, well, why, why don't you just have surgery? Let them chop those things out. And I'm like, I'll be dependent on pharmaceutical drugs for the rest of my life. Like, it, that just, I can't take a supplement for 30 days straight, let alone <laughs> a drug that I, my life's depended on. And so uh, I was so visibly sick that as soon as I started doing all of these things, you could see the shift in me. And everyone started to ask, well, what do I do? And I'm like, well, hell if I know. I've been reading and researching and paying 
tens of thousands of dollars for these doctors to tell me exactly what's going on with me and exactly what I need to do, you know, doctors and other practitioners. And so I started handing out recommendations and referrals to the books I was reading, the practitioners I was seeing, the products I was using, uh, the practices I was incorporating, and really just passing on all, you know, just paying it forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was during that time when more and more people and then friends of friends and friends of family started coming. And, uh, I turns into me doing these consultations in my living room of like going in depth. And I was like, you know, sat back when I'm like, what am I doing? I just got done writing an overview email for two hours (laughs) of all of these recommendations and like all of these things. And I'm like, this is a full-time job that I'm not paid for. And I don't have time for because I'm making my tonics and my, you know, all the things. And I'm like, well, what do I do? Right. Because I was in their place once. And obviously I've uncovered uh, some information that somehow needs to be aggregated and, and, and shared and so that was when I had the idea to start uh, moving from doing these kind of consultations in my living room to um, educational and social gatherings. I thought, you know, all these um, seminars, not even workshops, right? Seminars, health seminars are like so cheesy. Nobody wants to go to them, you know, whether it's at like Kaiser Hospital and you're in the like funky chairs that are so <laughs> in like sterile rooms. And I, I thought, why can't, there be these beautiful curated experiences where, you know, you're in a beautiful space, you're eating local seasonal food, getting a, a sampling and a taste of exactly what we need to be doing and make it really pretty, make it really attractive, um, it make the, the layout and the information um, digestible, right? Because it's, we're suffering now from information overload, right? Mm-hmm. There's too much information out there that now the question is what's real, what's true, you know, and nobody has time to filter through all the information. Every other day, there's a new doctor with a new diet and the this and the that. And uh, the question is, well, what are the basics? I just need someone to distill it down for me. And so we started um, curating these um, multi-sensory uh, gatherings and friends of mine, my girlfriend in LA had this big, beautiful loft in the arts district downtown. And um, she opened up her home for um, us to host events there. Another good friend, actually, my dear friend, Martina, who painted all of the artwork um, in Saffron and Sage. Wow. Uh, she, yeah, the painting that you're looking at yeah, right now. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, she, she did all the paintings just for us. Um, she has a beautiful cottage in the middle of the orange groves in the Inland Empire she opened up her home and and I would bring in my nutritionist, my colon hydrotherapist, you know, um, all the practitioners. And uh, I was creating these little modules, right? Like one was modern apothecary. How do we shift from um, pharmaceutical drugs to um, plant-based medicine, right? And, and walking people through the science of, you know, uh, how drugs are created and actually how they're designed to mimic Mm -hmm. the properties of plants. And then they're patented, right? Because we can't patent plants. And so understanding the cellular makeup of these things, right? And so instead of taking an ibuprofen that you can use peppermint essential oil and rub it on your temples and treat your headache, right? And so just wanting to give these people these simple options, right? Like, let's just start 
there. Um, we would talk about moving from processed foods to whole foods. I was like, I don't care if you're vegan. I don't care if you're paleo. You know, none of that matters. Let's move from eating at in and out or not in and out. Big fan. <laughs> um, McDonald's, yeah. right? We'll pick on McDonald's um, to eating things that actually came out of the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And so let's make the shift from processed foods to whole foods. So um, the mind-body connection, we had a whole workshop on mapping your emotions, understanding uh, the emotional connectivity to um, the physical manifestations that were occurring. And so that was really beginning. And that just kind of spun off into all these cities. And like I said, then we were doing stuff in San Diego and Tijuana. So these four cities and I'm like, okay, now I, I didn't find a solution. I created a big, bigger problem. Yeah. So I went from doing these things in my living room to now this traveling circus hosting all these events for free, by the way. Oh, <laughs> wow. And, uh, and then l- later I'm like, oh, we've got to put a price tag on these to kind of pay for some of the expense. And so yeah. then they were $10, right? Which still didn't cover our expenses, yeah. but, and then we were running in a room. All yeah. the events were packed and, uh, how are you marketing all this? Just word of mouth. We have word of mouth. Yeah. And then we started the, you know, I started the website. I would say we, because it's not been me by myself. People are always like, who are you referencing? I'm like, there's just always been this incredible team that's come around me and supported me and wanted to, and, and really were the ones that drove this. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was actually, um, one of our events here in San Diego at the beach, uh, in these, uh, we had standing room only at, at this event. And I don't even remember which one it was. And at the end, the, the ladies go, great. So when can we come into your space and see your practitioners? And I was like, uh, we don't, I don't have a space. Like these practitioners are, are my practitioners, but they have their own spaces, you know? And they're like, no, 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 no. You need to get a space because this is going to be huge. Uh And we want to come in to see your practitioners Uh because what you're doing, and it was really this, this, this element of curation, Mm-hmm. is breaking things down, making them simple, making them digestible, making them beautiful and uh really being rooted in, you know, evidence-based practices, really helping them understand the science and and I and the beauty of it really plays into the marketing, right? I would come into some of these places and like I said it's either completely clinical and sterile uh in, you know, anxiety inducing. Yeah. Or it's the exact opposite where I'm like, oh my God, are they going to put a hex on me? Yeah. Like, should I be praying right now? Yeah. Like what sort of protection <laughs> prayer should I be doing right now? Because the tie-dyeing crystals are freaking me out. Yeah. And so it it was wild, yeah. right? But the idea of creating a professional and beautiful mm-hmm. space makes all the difference when it comes to credibility. Yeah. And, you know, we've been featured in Forbes and all these other publications for our design aesthetic and in in yes things are pretty and and that's great but there's also a science behind beauty mm-hmm. they you know beautiful spaces impact and expedite our healing process whether that's a window so that we can see the beautiful sky and we should be sitting outside today it's so yeah, beautiful I know, it is. <laughs> but you know whether you can see uh the sky g- grounding having your feet in the dirt mm-hmm. gardening you know all of these things play a, a significant role. And that's why our attention to detail and design has been, um, there from the very beginning. Yeah. Oh, and it really does matter. It really does matter. And it's so hard to find places or people, anything with the right aesthetic that also has really good information and really good help, you know, because I go into so many different wellness centers and like, this looks beautiful, but like, what is this? They're not actually helping anyone, you know? So 
It's a really good blend. And so tell me why is, why is it called saffron and sage? Ooh, I love this question. <laughs> so this is written much more eloquently on our website. Mm-hmm. So please go check it out. Um, it's under etymology, mm-hmm. but saffron, and it's funny because this all surfaced for me when I was on a business trip in uh, London. Uh, but saffron is, uh, was at one time traded at a higher price than gold. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. And it's this really precious uh, spice that was revered in ancient days and used in beauty rituals and, you know, for culinary purposes. And I thought to myself, what would it look like if there was actually a space Mm -hmm. that a, a medical clinical environment that treated you? as if you were more precious than gold. Mm. Because when I was going the traditional route and seeing my doctors through my health insurance and uh, I wasn't treated as if I was more precious than gold, Mm -hmm. you know, it took months to get an appointment. And then when I got there, I was waiting for, you know, forever to get in. And then they didn't read anything. I was having to re-educate them on everything that was going on with me and bring in all sorts of other supplemental documentation and tests and things like that. And they were in and out within five minutes, five minutes, not even 10 minutes. Right. And there was no, you know, and it's not even about bedside manner, right? When, when you have any health issue, whether you're suffering with anxiety and depression, whether you have tumors, whether you have digestive disorders, it's creating discomfort and friction in your life. And there's an emotional toll that that takes. And this is why I go to such extreme lengths myself and, and our chief medical officer to find practitioners who are mature, embody wisdom, who can companion our clients into sacred spaces. Because mm. that is the the essence, right. Of, of what we're, what we're doing here. And so I, I really wanted to dream up an environment that treated people in a way that honored them as being humans and and honored their humanity and their story. The second component of, of saffron is, is rooted in, um, the saffron revolution that happened in Burma years ago, where the Buddhist monks took to the streets in protest. Um, and, uh, they were protesting against this brutal regime, this government that was incredibly oppressive. And I thought, you know, that's that's really the type of revolution that I want to start because they weren't torching government buildings. They weren't, uh, you know, attacking local officials or things like that. They had actually inflicted harm upon themselves and created a signal to the world, right. That drew in, um, support. And I thought, I don't want to be one of those people that bashes the doctors in the hospitals because the reality is they are doing the best that they can mm-hmm. with the information that they have. The reality is doctors get, I believe it's only one semester of yeah. nutritional education in Sometimes school. Sometimes less. <laughs> yeah. We'll be generous, but yeah. you know, so that's it, right? They, they, you know, and a, and a lot of times when you go ask about, well, can I take these superfoods? Can I take these supplements? They tell you no, because they don't know. They don't have the time to go research it. They don't know, you know, what the 
effects could be with other medications or things like that. And so it's not that they're bad or they're product of their environment. Um, and so my focus and intention is, is about how do we create a third way? Because let's be honest, if I get hit by a car, please do not sprinkle essential oils over me and like do Reiki, yeah. like call the paramedics, let yeah. them shoot me up with whatever the heck they need to shoot me up with and take me to the hospital. We have the best emergency medicine in the world, right? So we are doing some things right, mm -hmm. but when it comes to chronic conditions, we're struggling, right? Mm -hmm. And and so this is why, um, you know, my vision for holistic healthcare is, is really what I'm passionate about seeing occur. And that's this kind of fueled by this, uh, this idea of, of what it means, um, with this word saffron. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's embedded in, in, in our culture here. And then sage, uh, is the opposite. It is, you can find it growing on the side of the freeway, right? It's not costly. Um, it's accessible to the everyday person. And, uh, you know, again, when I looked at, well, why aren't there places like this? It's like, oh, there are, they're just, cost a fortune for the ultra wealthy. And, mm -hmm. you know, you have to get on your private plane and go stay for a month or a yeah. year or whatever. Right. Which is great. But, uh, I really was interested in for people like me, right. Uh, how can we access it? How can we create, um, access to a, to a greater pool of people? And, and so Sage really embodied that, that connection with the everyday leader and, uh, also, you know, sage is also used for culinary purposes, spiritual purposes. We cook with it. We cleanse our space with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I joke that we energetically cleanse saffron and sage more than we physically <laughs> clean it. Probably. And that's not because it's dirty, but it's because we're doing so much deep emotional, yeah. spiritual work, but it gets heavy in here. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the ritual that our practitioners do. Um, before and after every class, every appointment is cleansing the space themselves um, and often incorporating it into part of the treatment. Uh, but but really this connection of of giving things back to the people, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then this component of responsibility. In our current sick care system, 90% of the responsibility is on the doctor, right? I'm sick, fix me. What prescription? Mm -hmm. What pill? What do you want to shoot me up with? What, what surgery? And 10% is on me to go fill that prescription, right? Mm -hmm. To go follow through. Here, we believe the exact opposite. 90% of the responsibility for change is on you as the client. It's what you're doing at home. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the classes that you're taking. It's easy to show up and, and do treatments, right? That's so easy because the practitioner is holding space and facilitating for us. It's hard to get into the studio and, and do... Uh, the breath work to do the movement, to do the meditation and at home, right? When we have to um, get rid of our, our beloved foundation because it's chock full of chemicals that are, you know, um, full of endocrine disruptors, right? Mm -hmm. And so really making those shifts and those changes in our lifestyle is the core. And, and, and so the, our clients, um, and, and people can't even walk in the door until they're ready to, yeah. to do their deep work. And that's, people are like, well, how are you getting such great results? Because people are committed. Yeah. And so when you have that level of commitment, when you are taking that ownership 90% and, and we bring that 10% of holding the space of doing all the diagnostics of giving you the tools of, of what you need. And then it's about implementing and, and, and incorporating it. And so 
um, that's, that's that part of sage. And then the other part of sage is, uh, you know, sage is used to describe the wise man in the community, the elder, um, the gatekeeper of, of wisdom. Right. And, uh, again, going back to our practitioners, I really don't care about your educational background and your experience. If you are not practicing what you preach, if you, um, don't administer your medicine with great humility and, um, this ability again, to, to companion with individuals. And so, um, it's really about, um, this wise practitioner that's, that's journeying with you. And so that's the short answer. I love that answer. (laughs) I love that answer. It makes so much sense now, (laughs) you know, and I just love that you guys, create such a customized plan for everyone. And there's so many different options for the deep work, right? Because everybody who comes in here is going to get a different plan. Yes. And that's beautiful. And you blend so many different types of modalities here. So maybe you could just like, tell us, tell the listeners, I mean, I've been here, I know, but like all the different types of therapies you can get here. Oh gosh. Okay. Let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. I should have grabbed something. Uh, We do everything from acupuncture to fire cupping, energy therapy, psychotherapy, spiritual direction, coaching. Did I say massage therapy? Not yet. Massage, okay. therapy. massage therapy, yoga therapy, meditative therapy. And within all of these, there's, there's even more, right? So yeah. we do about 12 different types of massage from yeah. prenatal to lymphatic drainage to time massage, like all the yeah. things, right? When it comes to meditative therapy, we're doing everything from nidra meditation to hypnosis to past life regression, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just, there's so much. And when it comes to acupuncture, the different styles of acupuncture that we do here. Uh, and then, uh, our classes range from, um, about five different traditions of yoga, uh, breath work. We do a handful of different, uh, breath work, um, mm-hmm. styles here, actually about five as well. Uh, meditation, uh, we, uh, you know, our classes are really experiences. We are now blending, um, classes where we incorporate um, we do sound, we do a lot of sound classes, but we do sound with acupuncture. We do mm-hmm. meditation with acupuncture. We do massage with yoga. Um, so we're really blending to heighten the experience and really bring a new offering. Uh, you know, I'm, I, this is the future, right? Mm-hmm. This, um, a bio-individualistic holistic healthcare, um, is, um, where we're headed. And I'm excited that Saffron and Sage gets to really, uh, lead the charge in that area. But, the classes, it's so much different than just a single modality. And that's what we've been used to in a studio setting, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to go do spin, you're going to go do yoga. And it's been really beautiful to see uh, the response come from um, our, the community on incorporating these um, rhythms and routines into their everyday lives. I love that. It yeah. is the future. Yeah. <laughs> People catch on. Yeah. So those are our classes and our services. And then we just rolled out our holistic healthcare plan, mm-hmm. um, which is a 12 months of holistic healthcare. So you um, are assigned a team of medical doctors and um, we do an initial bio-individualistic assessment and evaluation. Uh, we do all the advanced biomarker testing, mm-hmm. and then uh, you get your customized um, holistic healthcare plan. And then every uh, month or every quarter, depending on what you need, uh, we sit down and um, assess what worked and redo blood work, redo all these different things. But you know, when you come here, you get a, a multidisciplinary team of practitioners. So mm-hmm. every practitioner that you're seeing 
forms a micro team and they are in communication with each other and with you. Yeah. And that makes all the difference. And so now with our holistic healthcare plan, you have all the diagnostics, you have all the deep assessment and all the fine tune, you get your entire meal plan. And then that's when they take it to chef land and say, okay, great. Send this over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, been super exciting. And then are in the process of, um, we haven't told anyone this yet, but so we are, um, just, uh, getting our laboratory together, um, where we will, um, our laboratory and our pharmacy. And so we are, wow. um, opening up our plant-based pharmacy, um, filling plant-based prescriptions, all of our herbal formulas uh-huh. that we do for our clients. We're bringing that all in-house. That's amazing. And, yeah. Oh my so, gosh. When yeah. are you expecting to... So that'll be here um, by spring and March. So, wow. Yeah. So we do all That's of our soon. custom yeah, herbal <laughs> herbal formulas, um, all of our herbalists do and, and nutritionists, and then all of our flower essences that we make. Mm-hmm. And then um, our IV lounge will be open. Oh my well. gosh. So that, that will be taking yeah. place in the lab. Oh my God. That's so yeah. exciting. I mean, it's just so nice that everything is in like one place everyone's communicating with each other because i know like with my health struggles it's so exhausting to be going to 20 different people and no one's talking to anyone and and you're paying all the car prices yeah and this is why we're member-based because Mm -hmm. you get exclusive um access to these practitioners at a deeply discounted rate Mm -hmm. because we recognize that you're seeing multiple practitioners you're doing all all the things Mm -hmm. and it costs all the money and we want to make sure that we um make make that affordable and accessible yeah amazing well i love what you're doing here and thank you so much for sharing all this like there's so much gold so much (laughs) saffron in here um but for people who want to connect further with you or learn more about saffron and sage just remind them where they can find you Yes. So you can find us at saffronsageliving.com. On Instagram, you can find us at saffronandsageus. You can also find our newly launched skincare line at saffronandsageskin.com, as well as on Instagram at at saffronandsageskin. So amazing. Yes. And then we're in little Italy. So come visit us for those of you that are local. Yeah, definitely come visit. Thank you so much, Kristen. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. This was fun. Thank you for having me. Huge thank you to Kristen for coming on the podcast and sharing her story. Don't forget, you can find more from Saffron and Sage at saffronsageliving.com and on Instagram at saffronandsageus. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Tag Saffron and Sage, tag me and tag Wellness Realness Podcast. I could say thank you. I so, so appreciate it when you share the episodes on social media. And don't forget that if you want behind the scenes content related to the podcast and my life, it's juicy stuff back there. You will definitely want to follow Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram. It's my private account. And all you have to do to gain access is request to follow and DM Wellness Realness Crew with a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review. When I get a DM with that screenshot of your rating and review, you will get access to the page as long as you have requested to follow. I've gotten a lot of requests to follow, but not everybody is adding in their their DM of the rating and review screenshot. So make sure you have that if you want to get access. You can also connect with other podcast listeners by joining our free Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. Feel free to leave a comment in there. And of course, if you're looking to up-level your health and wellness, get access to podcasts before they release the video versions, as well as exclusive interviews that have never been released. 
video trainings for me, online course content, hundreds of blog posts with my healing protocols and what was previously client-only health and wellness tips, as well as free workout guides, recipe eBooks, and access to our community of amazing high vibe women, then make sure you check out Uplevel Membership on my website. It's at christinaricewellness.com slash membership. It's literally 20 bucks a month, so cheap. You get live video Q&A calls with me and the community is amazing. That's gonna be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time.